Aloha from San Diego Lost fans. You are tuned into a special Comic-Con edition of The Transmission. I am Jen. And I'm Ryan. And we're here with the reports from day one, the first full day of Comic-Con. And I think today we're calling it the Ballroom 20 Diaries. Yes, we were in Ballroom 20 for a good part of today. And uh, this is another mattress cast. It's almost midnight and uh, we're even more tired than we were yesterday. So I don't think it gets any better from here. But uh, the delirium is also enjoyable, I suppose. Yeah, this hour is about the upper limit for roll farts like us. <laughs> We're going. So uh, we just want to tell you about our day. Uh, definitely started well with the buffet breakfast here in the hotel. Yes. I think we're going to do that from now on because searching for breakfast is no fun. Really. And searching for lunch, for that matter, in the convention center is no fun. So oh, it's it is better. a wasteland. I mean, we're talking, uh, what, pretzels that nachos. are terrible. Nachos that are terrible. Steve Rose had the nachos and he was like, you can have them. And we were like, we don't want them either. I mean, they were really <laughs> bad. So don't try to feed yourself with convention food. But in any case, after breakfast, we hopped to the trolley. It was the special event line trolley, which again was a straight line from our hotel to the convention center. No muss, no fuss. And uh, the first thing we did was we stopped in on the expo floor. We went in search of booth 315, where they were auction- they are planning on auctioning off a lot of lost props. Yeah, actually the auction's not going to be until May 2010, after the series is done being broadcast on ABC, but certainly they wanted to whet everyone's appetites. There's certainly going to be great demand for the stuff, and it was really awesome, really, to kind of see a museum of lost props. There are some seriously great things there. All the Dharma jumpsuits, the Moriarty and Bentham passports, um, Echo's wacket stick, <laughs> Charlie's guitar, um, the bottle with all the messages in it. Yeah, they had uh, Locke's knife, the the maps by Daniel Rousseau, um, just, you know, the quarantine hatch. I think that's something that I would definitely be interested in. That's sort of a, a, a big prop, probably going to go for big bucks, but that's the kind of thing that you would almost hang like a piece of art in your home. Yeah. They had the business cards that Sun used when she worked for... Uh, Pike Industries. That's right. They the had. polar bear collar. Oh, yeah. The collar from the polar bear. They had the, the infamous compass. Um, that's another one that I was really excited to see. Um, just all kinds of uh, great props. And you could just sort of... They, they were they were smart because next to each prop, they included a photo of where that, uh, that uh, prop was used or where you actually saw it in the show. Can you remember any of the other good stuff? We put all of the photos on Flickr. So you can find the link or go over there to see all of the things that we saw. But uh, any other memories of that? The drive shaft ring. Oh, yes. There's got to be a lot of drive shaft fans. And uh, I screamed to drive shaft during the Vampire Diaries <laughs> because there was a ring in the scene and, you know, Ian Sommerhalder and all of that. But in any case, so that was kind of cool. Uh, the handcuffs from Jin. The, oh, the the milk carton from, oh, from very yes. early on with Walt on it's it. It's surprisingly so. detailed. You don't really get to see all the detail in the episode because you only see it for a second. But there's actually a surprising amount of detail on that card. Yeah, what I actually find fascinating is that we always pick out when there's a mistake, when the date is wrong on the passport or when, you know, something. You know, usually it's a birth date or so the, the, the date on a newspaper. Mm-hmm. But apart from those things, the attention to detail is fantastic. So the barcodes on the milk carton or the actually carved uh, statues, the heroin the statues. Ver- Virgin Mary statues. Yeah, the, even the ID badge for Jack when he worked at St. Sebastian Hospital. So all kinds of fantastic stuff. Let's get to the program. We did go over to um, Ballroom 20. I think that's one of the, that's maybe the third largest venue. And we went for the Entertainment Weekly Wonder Women panel. 
Elizabeth Mitchell, Sigourney Weaver, Zoe Saldana, and Eliza Dushku yeah, from Dollhouse. Yeah, we Dollhouse. didn't know Dushku was going to be there, so right. that was pretty awesome. And she certainly has a lot of fans. The Whedonites were very excited, but uh, still a pretty co- pretty good panel, pretty good discussion. Very interesting discussion, um, very thought-provoking. I love seeing Elizabeth Mitchell. Um, I watched her read the phone book. Yeah, so. exactly. And Sigourney Weaver, I mean, she's the ultimate female action hero. Yeah. So she's a legend, and it was great to see her there yeah i mean i think everybody i mean she just carries with her a great energy everybody was in awe of her being in the room um you know questions sort of gravitated toward her the discussion was heady as you said um talking about female roles and archetypes and stereotypes and you know how they whether there's a glass ceiling or whether they're pushing through that one of the things that they said i liked was that you know movies are not going to be realistic you know the first place where you start seeing breakout roles is television that's more of a uh, picture of the world we live in. So that was really, really good. And uh, they kind of talked about, well, Sigourney, they asked, so do you feel you're at the point in your life now where you can finally just pick and choose the roles that you want? Or are you still, you know, waiting to get that call, still waiting to be picked for a role? And she goes, well, I've always presumed I was in the position of being able to choose my roles. And I think that definitely comes true. She's probably right, yeah. But uh, Zoe Zaldana, I think, was one of the more popular participants in the panel. She had a lot to say. She did have a lot to say. She, She talked about picking little battles and fighting little arguments about small things in in order to get greater roles and and be able to do more and she said well her the the example that she gave was um talking the producers into star trek into letting her wear pants for a fight scene (laughs) versus gucci boots and a skirt and i i I thought she was great she had a lot to say yeah and they talked a lot about just you know not just women but minorities in general different ethnicities you know um a loud cheer for when are we going to have a good homosexual or a gay character or gay superhero and uh, of course the panel was called wonder women so there was a question about who should play if they made a live action movie you know finally a a superhero movie about a woman if it was wonder woman who would play it yeah well the leading contender these days is megan fox right so the panel kind of t- took I think they took a couple of cracks at her right. but, but really saying that you know that's basically the pocketbooks talking that's the suits talking that's the people looking for what's marketable but I think you know they made a good point which is that Wonder Woman as a character might have been a little cheesy but she also kind of had a regalness about her kind of a maturity about her so that it would make more sense for an older woman to have a role but uh, back to Elizabeth Mitchell um, she was great she said one thing that really resonated was she was really thrilled because now she's in her mid-30s I guess. Mm-hmm. And only at this point, she felt good. I mean, that someone called her sexy. And she was just thrilled about that, that she is a sexy character. And that got a great big cheer, to be sure. Yeah, it did. And uh, her, there were, of course, lost fans in the audience. And one of them got off a lost question to Elizabeth Mitchell. Right. Our friend Joe of Joe Opinionated mm-hmm. actually asked uh, what was going to happen with uh, Juliet now that the bomb has possibly exploded. Right. Uh, basically, are you coming back to Lost? There was a big cheer for V, and, and, you know, again, she was very happy to have that role and that new opportunity, but we wanted to know if she'd be back, and unfortunately, she gave pretty much the official answer. It depends on whether or not Jack's plan worked. Yeah, I mean, she'd even said that the, the official response in the email that she got from them when someone asked her the question is, hey, 
It's a cliffhanger. <laughs> so unfortunately, no answers there. Um, that, I mean, being cagey like that is to their benefit, but we're going to continue to hold out hope that somehow the shooting schedules might work out, that uh, we'll see Juliet in season six of Lost. I hope so. Um, the panel after that was for Burn Notice, which is right. not a show that we watch. No, it runs on USA. I don't, I'm not really familiar with it at all, um, other than it's a spy show. But apparently... One of my favorite sci-fi actor character guys, Bruce Campbell, is on the show, which might make me want to watch it. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, he stole the panel. He, he was, was the star. hysterical. And he just kept everyone rolling. I could, I mean, I, I would watch the show just for him to be in it. I agree, absolutely. He had a great energy. He interacted directly with the audience. He was giving out dollar bills <laughs> every time someone asked a question like, why are you so awesome? And then he would, he would give them money. And he kept saying, I'm running out of money, but that was absolutely hilarious. And that was uh, the first giveaway of the day they had free right. uh, burn notice shirts we still have to pick that up though yes the line is pretty long what was the panel after that psych ah absolutely definitely one we wanted to see that's one of my favorite shows i i don't think i've ever even missed an episode it's also on the usa network well this this coming from someone who was shocked when they talked about the hidden pineapple i didn't know about the hidden pineapples i'm probably the last person on earth who knew about the hidden pineapples <laughs> in every episode of psych they hide a pineapple in some scene it's uh, now it's an official point on the meeting agenda for the storyboarding to where they're gonna hide it um but but a very very hilarious panel as well of course Dule hill a big big pop f- fan favorite there right he plays gus on on psych and the he, sidekick he danced yep he did a jig and uh, he was well known as magic head right they actually the, the entire room chanted magic head at one point absolutely and uh, but it was still i mean a lot of the characters were there um i everyone's a big fan of corbin bernson and uh, he he definitely again you know sort of sigourney weaver in the wonder women panel he carried with him a great deal of, of power just onto the stage he's been an actor for a long time and he's been in a lot of things and having him on psych uh, um, gives it a little bit of seriousness i think yeah i mean it's a pretty wacky show um there was sort of a debate as to how much is improvised and how much is written because you had the writers and the actors on the stage yeah. trying to play up how brilliant they are but uh yeah he um he was fantastic and of course the star of the show james roday um they did a little kind of giveaway in a way during the program as well yeah they they got two random audience members and and asked their names and apparently in some time in this next season they will mention the names on on the show yeah. Absolutely. And uh, the other co-star there, uh, Maggie Lawson, she she looked great. She, she was plays funny. Juliet on Psych. Yeah, she looked great. And who's that other uh, detective, the one that's always scowling heat? Uh, oh, Lasseter. Right. <laughs> Tim Amundsen, I guess his name is. He, he plays Lasseter. And I tell you what, he probably had the loudest cheer of the evening. I mean, he's got a great uh, fan base. And it's in part because his character is so hilarious because it's, he's... he's He's trying to play the straight guy or the straight man, but he's too funny that way. Yeah. So that was cool. One of the fun topics was when they talked about the different genres that they get to play with on the show. Every episode kind of lampoons a certain aspect of media like TV shows or a certain genre of movies or have been... A horror movie mm-hmm. shows. There they did was a Friday the Thirteenth one with kind of a Jason character. Right. There's a telenovela show. There's <laughs> a Comic Con show, and there's also an American Idol show. Yeah. So they talked about what else they might do. You know, um, they said the, the I guess the network president was there or something, and they said we all want to do a musical, but he's not sure if you guys would like that, and that definitely got a roar from the crowd. So I think they're going to do it now. Yeah, definitely. They talked about you know uh, they said that they were going to do a Twin Peaks themed. Episode. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> and. Uh, 
of course, James Roday wanting to spice things up throughout the entire program said, oh, I think we should do one making fun of porn. <laughs> I don't know if we're necessarily going to see that one on the USA Network. But in any case, that was kind of fun. They talked about the big question on the series about the plot for the, the, the characters, Sean, the psych, and uh, the, the Juliet, the, the, the detective's character, and whether or not they were going to get together. And they said, well... We don't know, probably not, but at the very earliest during the season finale. Yeah, at the very end. Because, you know, again, that's true about any series where the romantic leads. Once they get together, that's usually the end of it, and everyone's learned that lesson. But I have always liked them together, or, you know, with that kind of energy. And it turns out, I didn't know this, but there's a reason why that energy is there. Yes, James Roday and Maggie Lawson are actually dating in real life. All right, so they also had a giveaway. They had a prize for everybody in the audience. uh, This is actually, I think, a very cool prize. It's a magic eight ball. What, a psych ball? A magic psych (laughs) Psych ball. ball. And then the panel after that, uh, the last one for Ballroom 20 was Dexter. And, of course, we sat in on it last year and kind of discovered it and really enjoyed it. So we were happy to sit in this year. It was exciting because John Lithgow has joined the cast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're a little behind. We haven't been able to keep up with the show since we don't have showtime. So, in fact, one of the main icons of the show in the con at the con here is a baby because apparently our serial killer has had a baby. But I didn't even know that. But No, I didn't either. So, you know, of course... Uh, uh, Michael C. Hall was here, handsome as ever, Julie Benz, Jennifer Carpenter, but I guess the star for this season is uh, John Lithgow, and he was definitely great. He was great. He's like Sigourney Weaver. He's kind of a legend. Absolutely. And uh, he did talk a little bit about how he was worried about being typecast as a comedic actor, you know, from his third rock from the Sun days. But his his filmography actually included a great deal of horror and suspense and kind of creepy characters. Right. So he was happy to be back at that. Um, one of the things that he said was, well, you know, when I was on third rock from the Sun, I played an outsider trying to fit in, but really studying the people around me. And that's exactly what I'm doing as this character in um, Dexter. So really it's just a matter of modulation you right. know, between comedy and horror or suspense. It's just a couple of clicks of the knob. So um, he he also said that he's got you know kind of a position of power for that show. He knows exactly what's going to happen at the end of the season, and he hinted that he could say two sentences sentences that would make the entire building explode. Yeah, he got a lot of screams for that. So a big twist coming up, but I think we're gonna have to catch up on the show. I mean, yeah, I don't know about this baby. I don't know about this Trinity killer. The John. Lithgow plays, but definitely a great television series. So that was pretty much it for Ballroom 20, and that was really the end of the programming day. The last thing for us that we really wanted to see to the point where we stood in a long line for a long time was the Dr. Dr. Horrible Horrible screen. Yeah, the sing-along blog, and they screened um, commentary, the musical. But in any case, how did you like your first live, in-person, you know, screening of Dr. Horrible? It was so exciting. There was such a great energy. People were screaming clapping along, stomping on the floor. I mean, we actually felt the floor shake. Yeah, when everybody's jumping or sort of galloping in their seats to the Bad Horse song, um, you, I, I was, you know, the entire convention center was shaking. Long day, see you there, under things, tumbling, want to say, love your hair, here I go, mumbling, with my free Saturdays, except twice last month, you skipped the weekend. Or, you know, 
that wasn't it could have been someone else. I mean, I've seen you. It's <laughs> my name. I'm Penny. Uh, what are you doing? It was very exciting, a very electric atmosphere. It's sort of like our generation's um, Rocky, Rocky Horror, Horror yeah. Picture Show, absolutely. And they handed out the lyrics and the scripts, and uh, it included callbacks, you know, things to shout back at the screen. Yeah, like Rocky Horror. Rocky right. Horror is famous for that. So it was kind of fun. You know, every time somebody said, uh, uh, freeze ray, you have to go, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> and every time you saw the character Moist appear on screen, you just have to shout, Moist, just like Norm. <laughs> <laughs> and cheers so uh, definitely one i mean an electrifying evening definitely kept us going because at this point already we were pretty tired um there were a couple of uh people in the audience notable people david fury um he actually has a small part in the dr horrible um he wrote the legendary episode of Lost, Walkabout. Yep, so definitely great to be in the same room with him. And he was sitting right next to, just two rows in front of us, Felicia Day, who right. also got the loudest screams of the evening when she went on stage. Of course, she is also promoting her webisode or her web series, The Guild, and that was kind of running throughout the evening and even on uh, commentary, the musical. So, yeah, th- that was the second half of the screening, which we'd never heard or seen. Nope. Now, when you get the DVD to Dr. Horrible, there is a commentary track like everybody has on their DVDs, but this commentary track was a musical as well. It's pretty much the most entertaining commentary track you'll ever hear. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, set a bar pretty high. And I got to say, I actually, maybe it's because it was just the first time, but I laughed louder at some of the lines in commentary in the musical than I did in the show. I did too. So a lot of good stuff. And now we definitely have to pick up the DVD so we can sing along to commentary the musical as well. And uh, that was pretty much it. I mean, we got out of there maybe 1030. Uh, we were starving. We almost went back to the pizza place. Zeros. But instead, uh, we got a recommendation from Jana, one of our friends we've met up with here and met up with last year. And she told us to go to a deli. Yeah, Cine Cafe. It's like a st- Store Bakery Deli. Yeah, it's exactly right across the street from the convention center. It's also open all night, which is a big plus. Um, you know, certainly, I mean, not as winner of a menu. It's it's literally a convenience store. Um, but uh, if you're looking for snacks late, if you're looking for food late at night, we certainly were. The sandwiches are, the spot. are great. They're very well made. I had a um, roast beef wrap, and what did you have? A ham I just sandwich? had a ham sandwich, and you know what? Normally, I'm not fond of the kind of sandwiches you get out of a refrigerator case, but this one was great. It was moist. It, it you know, I don't know when they made it. When you buy something at 10, 30, 11 at night, you kind of got to worry about that, but it seemed pretty fresh to me, so another thumbs up for our culinary adventures here in San Diego, and that brought us back here. Uh, I did come back with a prize, though. Yes, we won from Entertainment Earth, uh, Shroot Farms Beat Watch from The Office. Yeah, it was their Twitter um, promotion, their Twitter giveaway. And, of course, every a lot of people, NBC, a lot of the different groups here are doing Twitter promotions. So I, I went along. I annoyed all of my followers by retweeting a message from Entertainment Earth. But it certainly paid off because the watch is pretty cool. It is. I don't even cool. wear a watch, but I might start wearing one because Dwight Schrute, he's awesome. And I love them <laughs> beats. Uh, I guess that's it for our day, and we're definitely ready to get to bed. Uh, just as a reminder, as for what's coming up tomorrow, we were saying this might be our attempt to brave Hall H for the Miyazaki panel. Right, but Jay and Jack are doing their live show tomorrow, and we're thinking of joining them. And I got to say, today was Ballroom 20 Day, and I think four and a half panels in a row in a seat is not necessarily the most exciting thing, certainly not the most exciting thing for your back end. No. <laughs> it was a little sore. Um, so maybe tomorrow we'll actually 
instead of braving that giant crowd in the giant hall age, we'll hang out with our friends again. Uh, Jay and Jack have been kind to let us follow them around like puppy dogs because they're the pros here. But that would also give us a chance to see other things just at random and certainly flash forward would be on that list. Yes. And uh, finally, Saturday would be big loss day, the loss panel in hall age. The million dollar question is how early is everyone getting there? <laughs> I don't know how early we're going to make it. Maybe 3 a.m. is the best that we can muster. Um, but, uh, you know, this year it's in Hall H, but again, without having to mix in with Heroes fans, I think you could actually get in line for Hall H like 8 a.m. and still have a pretty good chance on getting in there. Well, we're not taking that chance. That's true, but uh, I, I wouldn't be quite as crazy as I was, except for the fact that it's the last one for Lust. So yes. You never know. Then uh, there's going to be a podcasting panel. We're going to sit in and hear Jay and Jack talk about how they do what they do so well. And uh, finally, the Totally Lost panel with Jeff Jensen or Doc Jensen and Dan Snyerson, uh, if we can make it there, because good golly, I'm pooped. I'm pooped too. It's been a really full trip. But uh, we're having a blast. We checked in with our kids and grandma, and they're doing fine. So we're just really glad to get away. And San Diego has been pretty awesome. And the only casualty so far is I lost my jacket and I lost one of my Fast Mac batteries for my iPhone. But small price to pay for the great time we're having. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for listening to yet another rambling travelogue here in San Diego at the San Diego Comic-Con. We're glad uh, you're enjoying the trip at least a little bit as much as we are because we're having a blast. So we'll talk to you guys later. Stay, Stay classy, lost. San Diego. <laughs> yes, there you go. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.